Grog. Hey everyone, it's the Cider Shed podcast with me, Peter Fickling, and Kerry and Matthew. This week, we saw Brian and Jenny have to confront the truth, and it was a you know it was a long time coming, and it was quite sad, and it it reminded me that we we owe our friends, our closest ones, honesty as well as you know love. And Kerry Warbis has has been a rock for me and Matthew over the last um, how many months? As she's the reason that Matthew and I know each other and have become friends. And so it was with a mixture of shock and sadness that I had to listen to this this clip that uh, Matthew sent in. It scratched an itch and I won't be doing an all-nighter for another good few months. (laughs) And I won't be doing an all-nighter. And I won't be doing an all-nighter. And I won't be doing... (laughs) Kerry, you seem to think this is funny. I do. Oh, that is so, so good. I love this bit at the end. Yes, I lied to you. I lied to myself. I didn't know I was lying at the time. I, bl- I blame Hauler Notes. Yes, <laughs> they've got a lot to answer They're for. part of this too. They are. Look, spontaneity happens, guys. What can I say? But I went to bed on Friday night <laughs> and there was a message on Twitter from Kerry saying, and I'm home from the pub and I had a lovely evening. Night, night. And then I woke up and it's like, you know, Hauler Notes this, yeah. uh, dancing in the kitchen. Uh, who was this with? Was this the kids, Kerry? No, 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 no. I went out. Oh, you see, Alice, so you Alistair Calvin home. Yeah. Surprised your poor daughter. Absolutely. With uh, you absolutely shit-faced in the kitchen, yeah. They weren't called Calvin, they were called Dean. But no, I went out with my work colleagues, my team, the people who I manage <clears throat> on the Friday to the local pub, the Dover Castle, again. Was this the evening? On Friday evenings, I mean, I have to get up for work on Saturday. And I think I was quite jealous. I think I saw about midnight when I was kind of turning in that you just mm. cracked on brass eye. Well, you know, it's an eclectic experience at the Warbis Towers. Well, it's good to know, even when you're absolutely hammered, you've got immaculate yeah. taste. Well, that's... <laughs> and, yet we're on the... and yet we're doing a podcast about the arches. Talking of um, uncomfortable mm. gatherings at the, around the kitchen table, I'm immediately thinking about Uncle Adam and his kind and thoughtful words to his, um, you know, obviously unperturbed and very confident nephew. Yes, this was fascinating to me for many reasons, one of which was that Ian came out of it very, very well. Uh, He was the voice of reason when Adam was saying, how could I have missed it, Ian? Um, And Adam was kind of just saying, well, you know, I just overheard a phone call. It's nothing, no biggie. I'm sure he'll come out to us, you know, he'll tell us about it when he's ready. But no, Adam had to say, I know exactly how to handle this. Yeah, it was one of those things where he just, you know, where someone just isn't listening. And they're just, it's very, mm. it's very soapy thing, isn't it? Where someone is trying to give them advice and the other mm. person is, just has tunnel vision. Because, you know, like you said, Ian was being voice of reason. And he was like, he'll keep putting it off. Yes. It's our duty. <laughs> it's like, and yeah. Ian was just like, well, you know, you could just let him carry on flirting with Troy. Was it Polly Tunnel Vision? Oh, end the pod now. <laughs> but also, it, it was weird because he'd literally <laughs> just moved in, hadn't he? He was un, unpacking his stuff and Adam was p- 
pissed off about that. He was like, have you seen the number of cases that he's bringing? He said he was only bringing a couple of things or something. So he, go, he went from being annoyed and Ian talking him down from that. Well, so Adam, and what would Adam pack? Like five identical <laughs> boiler suits and a frame picture himself yeah. and that would be it. And ev- yeah. every spreadsheet he's printed off for the last 20 years in a box. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but but poor poor Rory, he just moved in, was sorting his room out, had some dinner. It sounded like they were washing up or something, you know, there were plates and cutlery happening was weren't there after. It was a postprandial pep talk. Uh and he just suddenly launched in with this very creepy voice. I wouldn't want you to think you can't be yourself. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, though, isn't it? You had you had Rory with zero emotional baggage, but um, you know, car car upon car load of active, you know, real life baggage. And mm. Adam was obviously the flip side. You know, he's he was he was projecting all of his uh, difficulties from early life onto Rory. And I, I did I did feel. I mean, obviously, it, it was cr- crashing. It was written. I guess it was written well in that it was it was yeah. very Adam. If that makes sense, if you're writing for Adam, he has to be true to the mm. Adam we know. So that was, you know, tick um, goal achieved. But uh, I did sympathise for the fact that, you know, gr- growing up mm. to some extent in London in the early '90s, someone's sexuality really didn't feel like a big deal or something relevant, mm. especially given the job I did back then. So I can, you know, you could, you have to be a bit more sympathetic to, you know, some of the. the why do all these people move to London and move to Brighton because yeah. they've had an absolutely rotten time in the Ambridges and Kettering's and wherever else is for ian it was antrim wasn't it i mean adam said think of there must there must be you know legions of boys in antrim going through what you went through um mm. it's funny because when i wrote down a lot of what adam said and when you see it written on the page in my beautiful handwriting it all looks perfectly fantastic and supportive and yeah, well done. You're really trying to accommodate and support this person. When Adam says it, <laughs> it just sounded very, very peculiar. And so it's a shame, really, because he was trying to do the right thing. And and um, Rory's um, response to it was so beautiful and uh, like shrugging the shoulders and going, well, no, I'm not actually gay. I'm bisexual. Not in the closet. I never have been. He did actually thank Adam, didn't he, for saying uh, and said, um, because of you, uh, I'm not the first queer person around here. There was a bit of controversy on Twitter about the use of that term. And I can't actually speak to that because I don't know enough about why that's bad or why it isn't bad, really. One of the one of the persons I saw commenting um, said about how they were they didn't like they felt it was an imported American term. And I. I think that you have to accept that that American is the lingua franca within the different English dialects. Like if you're talking about, you know, like they they lead the way completely on issues mm. around sort of like terminology to do with sexuality, to do with heritage. Um, whether 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 you like that or not is a, a different thing. So, for instance, when I moved to America, I remember sitting in a meeting, and I used the phrase Chinese whispers, and everyone at the table, including several of my Asian colleagues, stared at me mm. like I was an absolute you know giant trumpian freak and then i I said very honestly oh god i I can see i've offended everyone what is the equivalent apparently it's the telephone Mm -hmm. game but that's a very clumsy example because obviously chinese whispers isn't very old but you know i hadn't even considered it was a racist term it only takes half a second of thinking but the point is sorry getting back to the topic it it, it, you know we i don't i don't want to tell people to not be offended but i think you know america leads the way 
I liked how Ruri said about Troy as well, that, um, you know, we're mates who go a bit further sometimes. It, it, it was just really off the cuff, casual, no one's getting, you know, upset about this. It's all good. I mean, Adam wasn't to know that. It felt to me like an inverted um, parent-teenager conversation. I know that's not the dynamic between the two of them. But you know when you try to discuss something with a teenage kid and they just give monosyllabic answers, mm. except it was moving in the positive way, wasn't it? Because Adam was there going, you know, you can really relax around here. And he was like, okay, there's no pretense. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> and it was just, yes. you know, we can get to know each other, talk about anything. You know, I was just waiting for Rory to say, like, I don't know, some controversial farming light idea, like, let's bring loads more lambs onto the onto this field, <laughs> and Adam totally loses his shit. Yeah. If you look at the back of the fridge, Rory, you'll see our relaxing <laughs> schedule. We wake up at 8, we start uh, to lightly relax at 8.15, we fully relax by 10, you know, it's... But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit, you know, because he, he, it was this idea that he's a little bit untidy as a teenager, and that kind mm. of... You know, it was a half-handed segue into this fact, well, you know, you can totally yeah. be yourself around here. Yeah, when Adam did a really tremendous, hey, we are who we are. Yeah, that was like the cool oh, uncle thing, wasn't it? You know, and again, I know that's brief. not quite the dynamic, but like, hey, man, that's fine. It's like the uh, the uncle that lets you drink a beer in the shed and doesn't tell you that. No, I never had that uncle, unfortunately. Or or lets lets his sister drink in the uh, in the office and doesn't tell the dad. That's a conversation for another day if it ever if it ever becomes relevant. But yeah, what, what, how did Adam not spot Alice's um, you know drinking? They did mention her, didn't they, a bit? And Adam sort of really in passing sort of went, "God, I'm I feel so bad for her." Anyway, and then carried on talking. It it didn't seem to be something he's giving too much thought to. Do you think that might have just been intentional because they were trying to save up to the Thursday episode as a real sucker punch? We'd been sort of like, you know, lulled into a mm. false sense of security with um, Jazza and Tracy's sat by the side of the road, Mia's, um, you know, lo mm. Mia being lovelorn, all of that stuff going on, the WhatsApp group stuff. And then, you know, there it was at the end of the week, bam, straight between the eyes. Yeah, it would have been better if he hadn't mentioned it at all instead of just going, oh, yeah, I'm a bit worried about her. Anyway, let's, uh, what are we having for dinner? I, I think you could go both ways. I quite appreciated the fact they didn't avoid the elephant in the room. It would be weird if you've got family members having a catch up and it wasn't just at least kind of like ticked off as something said or mm. I don't know. When we got into mm -hmm. today's episode, I did feel that maybe we as the listener hadn't heard the end of Rory and Mia's conversation. And she was going to tell Will that he was bi. And that didn't happen, but I kind of thought that that was going to happen today. Well, I, I but before today's episode, I had a um, a bit of a uh, a worry that they were going to do uh, a Mia the homophobe. Um, you know, Mia spurned by, by Rory it, it then becomes vengeful and uses his sexuality as a kind of stick to beat him with. Oh. That was my... I was, more worried, I was more worried that Will was going to do that today. But I've got to say, Will is not a very loved character, but I thought no. he was brilliant today. I thought he was great. Can you two tell me about that? Because I zoned out and everyone was going, Will was amazing. I, I was doing the tweet along and sometimes when I'm doing that, I miss bits. So can you two tell me how was Will nice? I just thought that it was the way that he... Um, I mean, first of all, all right, very natural thing to notice that Mia was upset. And it was that typical thing, you know, Mia's, oh, you, you wouldn't get it. I'm off to my room or whatever. And then it, they bounced around wherever else they went. We'll talk about it later. 
And he he was just the real arm around the shoulder. And as you know, Adam, whereas Adam and Ian had this whole conversation with Rory, I thought what happened between me and me and Will about having her heart broken, I thought that was really, really um touching because she asked, Is that how you felt when mum died? And he said, No, that's a completely different type of heartbreak. Okay. Um he said, then what you're going through is something that everyone has to go through. It's just part of life. Um, mm. And you know, that kind of brought her around saying it's rubbish. And then he gave her this anecdote about how he fancied the girl in the older year, bought her the Valentine's guard, chickened out, couldn't give it to her. Um, but yeah, he's, um, th- some, of his, um, mm. some of the things he said today I thought were really lovely to her you know and then he said like you know and you're going to save the world you're going to save the world as well which i thought was pretty cute that he threw it threw it in so yeah i thought he was great today will is obviously a faulty man we you know we've, we've had to we've had a ringside mm-hmm. seat to that for that for years but the one thing you can't accuse him of is being so sort of disingenuous or two-faced or lacking honesty um and he'll always give people you know the truth, and that's obviously to his detriment most of the time. But I think it shows the strength when he's, you know, the strength of it when he's confronted by someone yeah. who's upset. He doesn't dodge the issue. He's he got in there and got his, you know, hands hands dirty, so mm. to speak. There was a good tweet by at Winston Texas that I saw, and he said, or she said actually, um, I'm disappointed to have not found a single fault in how he handled it, apart from his creepy voice, of course. <laughs> But do you think with Adam and Ian, the the actors are both consistent? They do a great job at making them. Like I said earlier on, you know, the, Adam's very Adam. He's always consistently Adam. So whatever you feel about him, you know, you get portions of that mm. again and again. Will the same thing? The actor who plays Will really fills out the role. You don't. It's not you don't see you don't see any of those the, the cracks where the you know the acting doesn't show mm, through very often. I don't know. There are points where Will does that sort of slightly sort of whispering voice and does sound a little bit. Ooh. I will not hear anything said against Bob Harris. That man is a <laughs> legend. <laughs> so Will did a good job, right? But maybe, maybe <laughs> how did Emma and Eddie do? Obviously, Eddie just squirmed out of it. But Emma, Emma had a crack at trying to sort of um, steer um, um, uh, Mir in the right direction. Yeah, I thought Emma did a really good job. She was trying to manage expectations, wasn't she? And I think Mia, I did highlight with my highlighter pen in that bright yellow colour, that Mia doesn't listen. Not only does she not listen to Emma, but she doesn't listen when she's doing her, um, you know, eco-warrior stuff either. She She's very good at spouting what should be happening around the farm. But things like Eddie said, well, you know, there's a cost to recycling all of those things that you keep pointing at. Uh, it's not quite as simple as you're saying. And But Mia doesn't acknowledge it, doesn't respond, and then carries on going, anyway, I've made an Instagram account of loads of tortured animals. <laughs> um, you know, and it was the same with, yeah. <laughs> you're going to upset some people, says Emma. Regardless, she's going to do it. Uh, and I thought it was, you know, the two not listening situations were there about the eco warrior stuff, and you know, he's not that into you. Yeah, I I thought the I thought the bit about particularly with me and Emma when um, this whole thing about she wasn't listening, she wasn't paying attention, and the fact that Emma was really trying to usher 
Mia away from Rory in that first scene in episode two. Just like, anyway, got to get going. Clary will have dinner ready, etc. There seemed to be this, there were two things there that I thought were going on. Just mm-hmm. Emma was mindful of the fact that she is persona non grata with the Aldridge clan right now. And also I felt that later when Mia was on a roll, like you said, and she wouldn't stop, I thought Emma was maybe seeing a bit of herself post her dad telling her just stop and listen every now and again without just flying in and i thought there was a little bit of that that she was she was employing a little bit of what her dad had used when you know when very he, good matthew i thought there was that going on that was that yeah. was the dynamic i thought that did not occur to me at all at the time but i think you're right yeah and there's been serious, another incident this week where there, there was one person trying to usher one person away from another. But I, I felt that, that in the end she was like, you know. Um, but then, you know, it did go to this whole thing about it's not just a crush. I'm in love with him. And Emma was kind of realizing the gravity of it all then. Mm. But I think early on that was what they were trying to carry over from last week. Are we, are we saying that Alice was not in love with Calvin? <laughs> Is that what we're saying? That actually wasn't who I was talking about. I was talking about Helen trying to to kick Joy out after foolishly inviting oh, her in. God, that's, that, that's what, that has, has been something they've been doing recently, isn't it? There's always a compare and contrast. There's always, you know, uh, um, related, related but massively different mm. um, scenarios going on in the different houses. So it's like, oh, you know, you've got the innocence of Mia uh, as a kind of like a bleak contrast to. Alice's dark horniness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's. Probably, I'm going to keep that name for my first novel. The dark horniness. It's going to Stephen King meets um, Jilly Cooper. I don't think it needs an article. Just be. You know how um, Justin Timberlake's character he plays the person who invented Napster, and he turns around to whoever the guy who plays Mark Zuckerberg, and he says to him, "By the way, drop the. Just make it Facebook. So, drop the. Just make it dark horniness." <laughs> Well, we can work out. We can work out the uh, the your fee for that later, Matthew. When you know, I don't want I don't want you to be sort of like I don't want to be sort of like haunted by you being getting sued in thirty years' time when I'm on a boat. Well, tour. if you edit it out, I know if I, you edit it out, I know you've screwed me. I will be your witness. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Well, with the with the whole Mia thing, and sorry to get sort of a little bit serious. Um, with uh, issues around heritage, if with issues around um, sexuality, with issues, a lot of the other burning topics that are being raised sort of generally at the moment and also on, on the arches there's so much history there's so much baggage it's very difficult to have a kind of binary right and wrong approach to things and yes Mir is being um as i think someone cruelly put it a kind of um a wannabe greta thunberg um and i don't see anything wrong with that but i think there was an implication it was she was getting a bit up herself um but th- th- it, there is right and wrong with the environmental issue like if you're if you know as difficult it is as it is for someone like eddie to have to reconcile the extra costs or to have to deal with the problems i mean there's only one way forward right we have to deal with it and so I do think it's going to be a useful and interesting, you know, assuming that the Archer still is this public service broadcasting that's supposed to educate us. I will, I will enjoy seeing how some of these arguments play out. Sorry, was that too pretentious, or was it kind of soapbox, tolerable? Um, <laughs> I think, but um, the right, thing about Mia is, of course, it's the best and rightest thing to do. But she's got a really annoying voice and doesn't shut the fuck up about it. So. It's <laughs> yeah, all right, Hopkins. <laughs> but but do you know what I mean? It's just 
God, every time she appears, hello, look at that plastic thing you're holding or is over there or you've got to deal with that. And, you know, she really guilt tripped Eddie as well. Say, you know, when she said, um, oh, so are you saying you don't really care about the future of all your kids and grandchildren or something because of that plastic pipe over there? I just think it's a shame, again, that um, such a very, very vital topic has to be brought down to this irritating nagging girl all the time you know i i was i was sad that will kind of in a a sense that will calmed her down because i thought she was going to go full dark Mm. side and just dig a landfill and start burning plastics into it whilst cackling (laughs) yeah yeah if i if i can't have rory the planet won't Right, we just had to have a bit of a break because lovely Matthew had to go and help out a neighbour, an elderly neighbour of his. If only there was a WhatsApp group in your apartment building, Matthew, and then you wouldn't have had to leave your seat to be able to assist them. Are any of you guys on a neighbourhood WhatsApp group? Well, my instinct was to say no, and then I realised I'm on about three. Um, But it's all all very local. Is anyone brave enough to name the group names of their WhatsApp groups here? If Kerry started listing all hers, you know, Desperate for a Shag 5, you know, <laughs> One Part of a Sequel, uh, Drunk Every Night oh. 6, you know. <laughs> you mean Beautiful Princess of Brighton? I'm sorry, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. Do- Dover Castle VIP Zone? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I do have the name of my street WhatsApp group. It's very funny. And it was born out of the pandemic and people sort of who couldn't go out and, you know, sharing stuff. There's a guy in, on my street who's always putting fat balls out on his doorstep for us to collect if we wish that to go and have them in our garden. Must not crack joke. Mm. If you had suddenly had a friend of limited intelligence who was, I don't know, yeah. into Marvel figurines... Would you invite him into the group as a matter of courtesy, or would you would you think oh, any newcomers into the streets uh, vicinity were immediately invited into our WhatsApp street WhatsApp group? We we take all right. comers because they're in the street. Um. So God knows what's going on with the Lee Helen not being told. And also, by the way, why did Joy not have her phone on silent, or at least put it on silent after that? bugle notification yeah, she, noise she, she's went now, off. she's now part of the ringtone crime group as far as i'm concerned mm. way back when um people were sort of obsessed is too strong a word they were going on and on about the idea that lee might be a black character and that the writers had stealthed the black mm. character into the into ambridge and they were going to you know quietly quietly reveal it um you know down the line which i i would have quite i would have quite appreciated but um it, you know, uh, I think it was sort of generally agreed it probably wasn't the case. But anyway, I, th- I was starting to think about reasons that why wouldn't Joy want to have Lee on the group? And I thought to myself, it could be something like he's, you know, got a different, he's not white and there's a bit of, you know, uh, racism or there was something like that on the group. And she was worried about that. I don't know. I was, and then, so I looked up the actor, the actor's white, and we know for certain they wouldn't have a, a white actor playing a, a black character. So that's out, out of the, out of the question, but what, what, what could possibly be the motivation? Oh God, there are two possible motivations. One of which is the uh, stabber lady has moved in. The other of which, which they're talking about on the WhatsApp group, the other of which is the drums being bloody annoying. The stabber lady? Am I being stupid? Oh, oh. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I see. Yes. I am being stupid. Okay, well, that's you know, it's not that unusual. <laughs> well, and what was the, the other drums one? Being really bloody annoying to the neighbourhood because a kind, gorgeous, beautiful Joy said, "Oh, don't worry, I was dancing along to the rhythm whilst I was vacuuming." <laughs> so, if you can hear it over the bloody Henry, yeah, she then... she said it was funky, didn't she? Yeah, strange word. Yeah, that's a that's mm. a that's a very convenient word, isn't it? You can hide a lot in that it's one. It's like having a jazzy top. It's what older people say, isn't it? Let's talk about Brian. He doesn't adhere to his marital vows, which was a bit of a rich take for him, really. I know I love him, but he said, "Remember your wedding vows," didn't he, to Alice? And she was yeah. like, "You dare lecture me about marriage vows?" I don't know why he chose to die on that hill really i mean i just for the sake of this conversation i am not going to try and make any sense out of alice's behavior mm. i don't have the energy um you know if you two want to go over that ground then i'll I'll happily listen but that's i'm done yeah. with all of that for the time being but she you know it's this it's this idea that oh just because she's drunk doesn't mean she's suddenly stupid mm. and can't make a good point you know her lips have been loosened she's a you know she's she she was obviously coherent and, you know, sozzled but coherent. And, you know, Brian was playing with fire and he got his hands burnt. But, and, yeah, and, and she absolutely had him banged to rights. Uh, and, and you know, I, maybe it's done him a massive favour because his little, you know, it's actually brought him up to speed. Yeah, he's kind of indefensible on that. I, I, I can't defend his idiocy in using that as a way to steer Alice, to be honest. But he's been doing that for months and months, hasn't he? He's like, you know, um, he'll he'll go and talk to someone and he'll start. I mean, occasionally when he's talking to someone like Neil, he'll say things like, well, of course, you know, um, I'm not in any position to sort of, uh, um, you know, cast Mm. any stones when it comes to that regard. But but when it's when it's with his own family, you know, you just think to yourself, come Mm. on, Brian, this, you know, Either, either, either fess up or shut yeah. up. Yeah, he he was doing okay when he was kind of saying, "You love each other. It's worth fighting for. You can save this." And then it just why mention the bloody marriage vows? Yeah, yeah. it's not not a good ace in the mm. hole for Brian, is it? Really. <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm trying to think of a metaphor that you could have. I don't know, mm. Yuri Geller telling you you're polishing your silverware wrong or something like that. You know, just. Can't. <laughs> It's just not a good idea. But she went really dark at the end, didn't she? When she was like, I'm yeah. I'm rotten selfish and I drink and I'm just, I'm you. I'm just like you. Yeah. And I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the, <laughs> I, you know, we've been talking for weeks about this kind of tipping point. When is mm. it fine? Because Jennifer's got it. She's there, isn't she? Yeah. And Brian's just still fumbling around like, no, Alice trying to find her car keys in her bag. She can never find things with her hands, isn't it? They they completely no, it's a bit of a it's a bit an obvious thing to someone who's drunk, but you know, her saying she couldn't find her keys. It was a Bermuda triangle, yeah, her handbag, wasn't it? <laughs> and then, then she couldn't now we all now all we have to do is find the keyhole. You know, it's not that hard. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, I've not been really. pretty hammered. And I've managed mm. to, you know, I've managed to work a chip and pin machine in a nightclub at 4am and buy a round of drinks <laughs> that I don't even remember buying. I'm pretty sure I could get into my house. Under my hair, I have a, a massive scar across the top of my head where I fell down two flights of stairs in my flat, my old flat when I was um, living on my own. And it happened the only the only three weeks, sorry, the only three months I think I stopped drinking the whole in the whole of my 30s. So, oh my you know, uh, I mean, I, really? you know, the 
Well, because I, I made the mistake of being sober, <laughs> Kerry. You, you fool! Know, my, my, yeah. my rhythms were um, were completely sort of um, distorted. But um, I mean, I haven't had a drink in fifteen months now, and it is amazing how much mm. less you lose, <laughs> how much how you know how much less gets broken, how you know how your your your, your those you know your plates and bowls <laughs> stay matching even after mm. you know, 10, 12 months. Oh, well done, Peter. Oh, I know. I'm incredibly, um, you know. So it makes it makes my kind of um, sneering judgment to you of you yeah. at the front of the show, Kerry, even more dis- bring you know, it sort on, of, love. Uh, I don't vile care. and revolting. You know, it's fine. Yeah, your your, your contempt your contempt for uh, your fellow podcaster is one of your <laughs> another one of your strengths. I Kerry. have no contempt. Alice and Calvin seem to be like wandering back through the woods. The next thing they might happen to be at the front door. Um, you know, it felt a bit for Calvin and the and the chipmunks as she accidentally yeah. labelled him. <laughs> yeah, I wonder which pub they'd met in because it was like they they would only known each other two hours. Mm. Do you think she'd want? Do you think she'd been driving? Which pub is it? The equivalent to the Bull and Darrington. But this idea that she just wanted company, and she doesn't feel that she can go and get that from her family. That's quite yeah. sad, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of Darrington, um, there was another strange name mentioned of a place near Ambridge, which I hadn't heard before or knowingly heard, Feldwich. Oh, that's where they went on there. <laughs> that's where um, Jazza took Tracy for a ride. Yeah, that's where Eddie had to pick Jazza and Tracy up from in the limo, Feldwich. And it, it meant that Eddie could get away from Mia and her interminable survey. Uh, but yeah, I've never heard of that place before. No, me either. Me either. Um, yeah, I did. It's not a crime, but you know, I did feel I like these made-up names. Yeah, I did feel a bit for um, Tracy. I mean, she wanted to get the. She wanted to be driven around Borchester, didn't she, in the limo? And there was no way that yeah. Jazzer was getting in there because he was worried about his leather upholstery. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie wouldn't let him in the back. Um, yeah. But there is this, yeah. you know, when I was when I was young, really young, if you saw a limo go past, you thought it was a famous person. Whereas now, you just think like it's just yeah. a bunch of it's a hen party, or it's, it's, a hen, <laughs> it's a hen party, or it's like a bunch yeah. of kids who've just finished their GCSEs. people are vomiting inside. Yeah, those, there is uh, no glamour yeah. attached to a yeah. to a limo anymore. I thought it was quite mm. um, quite cute how Tracy was like, oh. Could you drive me around Borchester a few times? She was going to absolutely love it. Yeah, she. you say cute, but she's bloody getting on my nerves at the moment because her and Jazza just seem to be at loggerheads far too much. It's so aggy all the time. Do you not think they're just trying to move them, move the cut, make sure that they seem like a kind of a long-term, more sort of stable couple? What, how is that more stable? Like, just because, you know, she wanted to get on the back of the motorbike for all I want was a sexy summer bike ride. The minute something doesn't go quite to plan, they're at each other's throats. It's always her being really vocally critical and it's quite exhausting to listen to, I think. Can you remember the? F- I mean, we've all been pillion passenger on a motorbike, right? Nope. Oh, no, no, oh, I'd never do that. Okay, not in a million years. I was offered. I was offered to go pillion on a World Superbike Champions motorbike, and I turned it down because the fir- there was something that was very, very true about this. The first time you're on a bike, the at, leaning at thing, that speed it? and the leaning is that you like the first thing, my dear friend. Mouse, who now lives, who's now a helicopter pilot in America, he told me you're going to have to lean. 
when we go around corners, just like hang on to mm. my waist and lean with me. If it was your first time on a bike, that was very true to form that um, yeah, Tracy would have freaked how, out. How fast is he going in order to lean around corners? Surely down country lanes, you wouldn't be going that fast and you wouldn't be leaning so much. But it, but it was all set up because she was she was sort of uh, um, sort of talking about how what a sort of sexual thrill it was. Oh, it's so sexy! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And he then said, "Oh, don't worry, I'll oh, give you the I ride see. of your yeah, life." Yeah, yeah. And then he was obviously leaning. All he was the obviously then trying to live up to the promise. Yeah, but the the leaning thing. I mean, I, I've I've only been on a motorbike once, and it was a oh, part yes. of a magazine article. I will post it during the next uh, during the omnibus on Sunday. I won't bore you all I've with the story with now. I'll just post the link, and you can read it. But oh, Kerry, it's not that bad a story. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's but it's it's pretty full on. But yeah, that's why I turned down the chance to be a, a pillion on a world superbike champions um, bike because having ridden a bike myself, I was like, there's absolutely no mm-hmm. way I'm trusting anyone else. It was kind of like the lesson. The lesson was learned. I, I do. I think Matthew's absolutely right. It's it, it. It is a leap of faith. Oh, I've just thought: is this another metaphor for the leap of faith towards settling down, and the leap of faith towards, you know, them two being with each other? Well, that was all covered off on Monday, wasn't it? I mean, sort of the start of that. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. But I'm wondering whether is is Tracy sort of like not so sure and not so trusting in the leap of faith of settling down as Jazza is because Jazza was all for you know when he was saying I need to give my notice in on the shearing because you know the days off I want to be spending with my girlfriend I don't want to be you know dealing with sheep instead as usual you you are you know you're playing Star Trek four-dimensional chess and I'm you know uh, um, putting animal shapes into you know uh, one-year-old jigsaws. I don't. I don't. I just don't see any of this stuff. I'm such a piglety, simple no. creature when I listen to the archers. Well, I didn't think of it until now. You've just talked about it, and I'm thinking, yeah, that is a kind of bit of a metaphor. You know, Jazz is all sure about it, and he's leaning, and Tracy's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I just hope they work out. I think they're a fun couple. Mm. You know, obviously, Tracy, obviously, neither of them's going anywhere. I mean, it would be Nigel off the roof times a thousand if either of them got, mm. you know, um, Hayley'd or, um, or, um, uh, who is, who is he? Or if they got the, you know, yeah. carted out of there. Oh, that, that, God, that, I could have, I could have Matthewed that into a proper <laughs> pun if I'd actually bothered to think about it. But, um, yeah, if they'd been carted out of there, then, you know, there would be, it would be, there'd be uproar. So I, and I'm hoping that they become a stable couple. I hope that you're wrong. And I hope this is just part of us being kind of like gradually, yeah. uh, shepherded into a more kind of like, you know, humdrum relationship. Get so aggravated so easily. I see. I don't. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you because I don't. I I get what you're saying, but it just doesn't. It doesn't. I mm. I feel like it's just a bickering couple. I feel like they're just one of those couples that there's always a little yeah. bit of needle, but, and that's okay, part of the so fun. Okay, so when Susie Riddell is on our podcast in later in June, we can ask her about it, can't we? Oh, we are we are we announcing that? I don't see why not. Okay, all right. Well, I, I was I thought we I was I was going to keep our our powder dry about that, but we can. I don't mind. <laughs> One of us uh, uh, rather um, arrogantly um, responded to Susie on Twitter, purely as a sort of a an act of outrageous chutzpah, and then and then yeah, and then somehow we've managed to wiggle her onto our, our our little pod. Yeah, and who better than Susie Riddell, 
who is Tracy Horobin, one of our favourite characters. I think there aren't many people, if any, who don't adore Tracy as a character. And she's going to be on our podcast very, very soon. I can't wait to ask her about all things Tracy slash Jazza slash Jim related or anything, to be honest. So any questions that you have, please send them in. Um, I guess uh, um, we haven't made a mind up yet whether to do the normal podcast or split it into two or anyway. So any ideas you have, ping them in. Any questions you have, send them in. It's hello at the cidershed.com. Um, and yeah, it's very, very exciting. And and actually, <laughs> while I'm frothing with kind of, um, uh, I don't know who's a good person, kind of a um, Philip oh Schofield-like effervescence, um, we had another boon this week. So we had the, the fantastic news that Susie's coming on the podcast and Kerry brokered that and, and did amazingly. Thank you, Kerry. Um, and uh, um, our, our uh, PR genius, Matthew Weir, got up at mm-hmm. bastard o'clock in the morning to go and be a um, Chelsea fan for hire. Uh, was it for BBC Five Live, Matthew? It was for BBC Five Live breakfast, yeah. And yeah, we should post that as well, shouldn't we? We should uh, maybe, uh, maybe if Matthew sends me the audio, I'll put it on at the end of the pod. Um, so I'll put that on as a little extra at the end. But Matthew, what? how did it go? It went fine, yeah. I went down there. They were having, um, obviously it was the day before the Champions League final with um, Manchester City and Chelsea. Not sure how it ended. Um, uh, but uh, it was me and a Manchester City fan being interviewed by Chris Warburton. And did he take the time to ruthlessly plug his YouTube video? Um, the Man City fan? Yeah. No, he just got a tiny little intro. I just sent the producer a message and I said, I'll come down at 7.30 if I can plug the podcast about the archers. And And plug you did. You were plugging away. Um, It was like a hair transplant clinic. I mean, it was absolutely majestic work. My friend who listened to the podcast said the the plug was excellent. Uh, The other thing he liked was just how I completely reverted to footballing cliches the whole way through the interview. (laughs) And it was like, yeah, it was like suddenly I became possessed and all these things started coming out of my mouth like a makeshift back four. And uh, we got (laughs) playing them in their own backyard. I was like, where's this coming from? I think, you're being, I think you're being um, overly self-deprecating. I thought I thought you came across very well. The proof is in the proof is in the pudding. I guess we have proof to. We, the pudding is in the eating. There's something in the pudding is in the pudding, um, yeah. and but and what, it's whatever's in the pudding. I think we've got a, something, some ridiculous percentage bump from Matthew's appearance on BBC mm. Five Live. So hello, Chelsea fans. Hello, City fans. Uh, well done on your fine clubs. I've never said a bad word about either of them. Neither is Matthew. Neither is Kerry. <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that That was a weird, so two very weird and very pleasurable things happened this week. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if you if, if our, our regular listeners do want to take a week off uh, uh, um, plugging duties, then, you know, this is the week to do it. It was very strange. I was, I was on the way home about 10 minutes later after the interview wrapped up and a fellow Chelsea fan who I'm friends with on Facebook who definitely doesn't listen to the Archers, just sent me a message saying, like, just heard you on Radio 5 Live. Great, great plug, mate. Um, and I didn't, you know, never in a million years. I mean, obviously, it is Radio 5, so people are listening to it. But, you know, it's just one of those moments where you think, oh, that actually went out. Okay. You did, you did so well because you told us you were going to be interviewed the next day. And we were like, oh, you won't be able to plug us. Don't worry. 
you were valiantly saying, I will, I will. And we were like, oh, don't worry. It's not, it's not going to be easy. I, didn't. I had then, no expectations. No, exactly. And then you, you said it twice. Oh, you I were don't shameless. Know. He was absolutely yeah, shameless. Hilarious. The only the only thing I didn't get in was the socials. I really wanted to get the socials in. But when, oh my God. But when I arrived, <laughs> the the producer said to me, I'll try and flag it to Chris, but he might not bring it up on air. Mm. And I was, towards the end of it, I was like, he's not going to do it, is he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then he did. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I just tried to say it as oh, well. Uh, you, you were much more Alice than Mia in your, in your, uh, uh, you know, in your seduction technique. You were very, very uh-huh. forward. The only thing I didn't do was say um, good morning in Portuguese, which I wanted to do at the beginning, but I thought that might be a bit, a bit wanky. Uh-huh. Well, next time, Matthew, next time. Props to you, Matthew. You did very well. Yeah. So, so like, like I said, we, we, we think we, we can, uh, we can take a week off the, uh, the begging um, after all the success we've had. Hopefully, um, and we're gonna. We've definitely got some exciting plans for the next couple of weeks. We're gonna. We're gonna finally produce a kind of raft of materials and and also the the, the method of delivery. Um, so that'll be coming out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're still on Twitter at at the Cider Shed Pod, and you can find Matthew at, on Facebook at at the Cider Shed Podcast Group. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been a pleasurable show to do as always. Um, it's been an amazing week. I mean, I, I nearly sorry to repeat myself. I nearly had a heart attack when I was checking the statistics, and it looked like a, an anomaly. This kind of like giant phallus <laughs> of uh, <laughs> extra listeners that kind of like b- bounced into the graph on them on the day after Matthew was on. Extremely jubilant Chelsea fans. What I think it was. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm now Chelsea's Let's not talk biggest about fan. that. Yeah, well, no. let's, Kerry, Kerry, we're, 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 come on, come on, professional lying, professional lying. Um, and yeah, and I've really enjoyed today's show. Thank you from me. Thank you from me, and see you next week. Thank you from me. Bye. Right, Matthew, Chelsea, yeah. your club, okay, yeah. kind of being positioned in this final, which is a rarity for Chelsea. It must be weird with all of the billions you've got available as the kind of plucky underdogs here against Manchester <laughs> City. In the final. A strange place to be. It is, yeah. Um, I'm tr- I've almost been trying to blank it out, and I've, I've been realising now this is... I'm going back to how I felt in 2012. I'm not thinking... Because going to Bayern Munich Stadium, playing in their backyard with a makeshift back four, I didn't really give as much of a chance, no and, and I'm, I'm, I've almost entered the same mindset here. I'm not going to think about it until I get out of work on Saturday afternoon, and then I'm just going to, then I'm probably just going to lose my mind. I suppose the trump card you got, Tuchel knows how to do Pep. He's done it twice. Yeah, but has he, has he done it too many times now? All oh, right, <laughs> you can't get a hat trick. <laughs> okay, um, you, you want to mention quick mention of your podcast because this is slightly bizarre. Yes, yeah, uh, BBC related. I've got yeah. a podcast called The Side. Shed comes yeah. out every Sunday. Yeah. Um, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. What's so it about? It's about the archers. The so archers. It comes out on the coattails of the archers every Sunday. <laughs> How so about that, you Go see? and have a look for the Cider Shed. So we're talking about Champions League and we get on to the archers here in Port. I mean, it couldn't be more bizarre, could it? But right, Stephen, how's it going to go? You're going to walk away with this trophy. <laughs>